This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. When you look at the sky, ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard live, call 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. We're talking about the miracle molecule carbon-60 or the human, con- the consumable form. Uh, C60 Evo. Now, if you go to strangeplanet.ca, strangeplanet.ca, and just scroll down to the bottom, you'll see the banner for that. C60 Evo. Just click on that, uh, and you'll get more information. And uh, Chris and Patty are offering uh, a 5% off. If you type in this code, RS1SPEC, you'll get 5% off any order. RS1SPEC. So again, go to strangeplanet.ca, scroll to the bottom, and you'll see a banner for C60 Evo. Click on that. That'll take you to the website, and then you can get, you, you'll get 5% off. RS1SPEC. Uh, Chris, before the break, you were talking about the uh, Nobel Prize in chemistry going to the, the discoverers of this, and you were talking about some of the remarkable attributes of this um, fullerene or buckyball, its industrial applications and so forth. And you, you wanted to mention one more thing before we get into how it became a consumable formulation. Yeah, so um, what they recognized pretty early on is that uh, that the buckyball, and, and they kind of hearkened this buckyball, uh, again, a spherical molecule of 60 carbon atoms, to being like a 3D version of benzene. Now, benzene is a ubiquitous material in modern society. If you just look look around wherever you're sitting right now, and, and everything that's plastic has a, at its foundation the benzene ring. Most medicines, detergents, we just don't have modern society without this benzene ring. Well, a buckyball has a number of actually benzene rings on it, uh, on its exterior surface. Again, if you imagine that soccer ball, uh, there's a, none of, a number of the panels on the soccer ball have six sides. And so they figured it was like a 3D version of benzene. And it's really why they did this toxicity study in 2012, because if you've got this material, it's going to be as ubiquitous as benzene. Uh, And like benzene, they just assumed benzene is actually toxic. It's actually a known carcinogen. So they assumed that this buckyball would also be toxic and a carcinogen. Uh, So they do this toxicity study. And this is the toxicity study that really kind of kicked off like, hey, what? What potential medical, there there were theories prior, like what could we do with this in medicine, very complex, like put a radioactive molecule inside of it, uh, build something that can attach to cancer cells on the exterior of it, um, and then then have it be a a radioactive uh, provider uh, right in there, a cancer cell, right? So that's that's obviously a really complex structure and combination, a lot of chemistry uh, going on there. They knew that 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 could happen. By the way, that hasn't happened yet, certainly in dehedral fullerenes. That's what it's called when you trap an atom on the inside of the buckyball, 
those exist and you can purchase those and we actually sell those. Um, but what, what they, what ultimately they needed to do this toxicity study because if you're going to have this material used in so many different applications, then people are going to have to work with it. And if they're going to have to work with it, we've got to have some process of understanding, all right, is it safe? If it is toxic, at what levels is it toxic? And so then that's that 2012 toxicity study that ultimately turned into the longest longevity experiment on mammals known to man. Again, it was peer-reviewed published research. But you don't you can't you don't want to consume uh, carbon sixty, right? You need to consume it in it as a ESS sixty uh, in that formulation, correct? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's really important to understand the distinction, right? C sixty carbon sixty is for industrial applications, and when it's improperly uh, processed, there's actually peer reviewed published research that shows it's dangerous. ESS-60 is C-60 that's been processed for safer human consumption, and it was the material used in that, in that 2012 uh, Bati rat study out of the University of Paris, where the rats lived twice as long, almost twice as long, uh, and died without tumors. So, Patty, just talk about how you take it and, and what you found for, you, for yourself. Uh, I take it directly on a spoon first thing in the morning uh, when I have breakfast. And I try and do it before noon because otherwise it can keep you awake at night. But I wanted to really feature something that Chris has mentioned a few times, which to me is one of the another reason I take it. Number one, we've got a pretty serious virus or a serious virus uh, fear mongering threat. But I have felt very safe because I don't get sick. This C60 Evo is 172 times more powerful than vitamin C as an antioxidant. I don't get sick. I haven't been sick in years. But the other thing is, when they did this toxicity test, and it wasn't toxic, not only did the rats live 90% longer than the test rats, but the fact that none of them had cancer, these rats are known to have cancer. And so they expect it with all of their test rats. But the fact that they didn't get any tumors, none, to me says, and we can't say that it is true, that it's going to give me a better opportunity to not get cancer in my lifetime if I'm ingesting it. So I take it for a number of reasons, but that to me is another one, which is I feel like, you know, it's just a personal guess, not medical, that it might help. Right. You, yeah, you, we can't make claims about it being a remedy for coronavirus or anything. But uh, do the studies do the studies suggest it it can? Well, if it's 172 times more potent than vitamin C, and that's been that's been scientifically established, has it? Yes. Okay. So then, it, it obviously it's boosting the immune system um, because that's what vitamin C does. Uh, what about studies with with cancer uh, uh chris are they are are there any ongoing studies to see what um ess60 what effect it has on cancer cells oh yeah um well there's a couple before i do that one there's there's kind of a, an an interesting 
um, viral study that was done. And this was back in the early 90s. So this was when uh, HIV was really at its peak. It was coming to the front and, and doing all its damage. And there were studies at that time uh, where the ESS-60 molecule, uh, when in the presence of the HIV virus, actually inhibited the replication of that virus. Uh, and in fact, there are patents uh, now where this molecule is is referenced in the patents as an HIV uh, um, virus inhibitor. Uh, again, it inhibits the growth of that virus. Uh, so I think that's interesting uh, and potentially relevant. Um, and then you talk about studies with cancer. Probably the most interesting, well, the one I find the most interesting is when you take uh, healthy cells and cancer cells and you put them in a Petri dish, by the way, it's very important to note things that happen in a Petri dish often happen very differently in the body, uh, but this is kind of telling, especially since we've got good confidence that, uh, that, that it's not harmful in the body. Like we've, I know of people, myself included, taking significant uh, servings of this material. Um, when you have healthy cells and cancer cells, in a Petri dish, and you introduce an anti-cancer drug, so the intent of the can- anti-cancer drug is to, is to kill the cancer cells, um, and usually it does damage to the healthy cells. When you have ESS-60 present in that situation, the uh, healthy cells are actually protected against the anti-cancer drug, and then the cancer cells the efficacy of the drug is enhanced so that it actually does more damage to the cancer cells. So protective effects on healthy cells and and detrimental, which is what you want, effects on on the cancer cells. Uh, Patty, I don't. Are you able to talk about uh, the radi the radiation poisoning you had? Uh, sure. <laughs> I just can't name who poisoned me, but right, uh, right. Yeah, I had somebody leave a vial of. Um, a vile individual left a vial of carnitite uranium at my garage door into the kitchen of my home. And I didn't notice it because it was somewhat hidden. But um, about a month later of, you know, having this thing placed uh, to make me sick, I started getting really sick. I started losing a lot of weight. And um, I ended up in the emergency room and in an ambulance uh, and, uh, so it was pretty scary. I didn't know what was wrong, but as I was moving out of the house, I, uh, was clearing something in the garage on the shelf and there was this bottle labeled and I knew it hadn't been there before. And I carelessly picked it up with my bare hand, carnitite uranium, you know, and I'm looking at it going, Oh my God. This is uranium. And I put it back down, you know, like, don't fall over. Jeez Louise, what's this doing at my house in my garage? So um, I I started getting tested and uh, all the tests sure enough showed up that we had uh, that I had a very high level of uranium. And it turns out the amazing doctor that I went to for all the tests said that in his entire career of decades, I was the second highest case of uranium poisoning they've ever seen other than somebody that worked in a mine. So I'm only laughing now because, ha, I win. I'm still alive. (laughs) But the detoxing I did was unbelievable. I had a counter full of, I don't know, $1,500 worth of remedies, every single thing. And um, about a month and a half ago, I went back for my recheck 
and you know, you got to cut hair and give blood and urine and all these samples of everything, breath and saliva. And, um, he said, wow, you really came down. You're only in the 95 percentile. I'm like, what? He said, I'm, I, I'm impressed. Most people don't come down. So, you know, here I am thinking, how am I feeling this good? How am I still alive? Uh, but I am, and I know that the levels are coming down and I'm living in a very healthy situation now and I'm feeling the difference. But when I got really tired of the um, detox, because it was so much and kind of waking me up at night, um, I, I took a month off without even telling the doctor. I was just like, oh, my God, I can't deal with it. And this Patty, is- I got to sorry, oh. I got to interject. We're going to take a quick time out. We'll come back and finish up okay. on this story, how she recovered from radiation poisoning. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. The truth is not out there. It's right here. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Hey, just a reminder that uh, strangeplanet.ca, my website, has been completely redesigned and overhauled. Check it out, strangeplanet.ca. And if you scroll down to the bottom, you'll see a banner there for C60 Evo. C60 Evo. And if you click on that, that'll take you to c60evo.com. And uh, Chris and Patty have uh, generously offered uh, 5% off for anyone uh, who would like to sample the ESS-60. And uh, that's uh, use the code RS1SPEC for 5% off. RS1SPEC. And Patty, you were talking about recovering from radiation poisoning. And uh, were you taking uh, the, um, the C60 Evo as well? Absolutely. I had actually doubled up and I feel embarrassed to admit, I'm going to ask you how many teaspoons are in a tablespoon? Do you know? It's two, isn't it? I would think two, but it's three. It really surprised me. Isn't that funny? Yeah, I just learned that it was three teaspoons are in a tablespoon and I had up my game to a tablespoon. So I was taking three teaspoons and and a teaspoon is what we recommend for normal people that want the C60 energy and to sleep better and to heal the maladies that are in their system. So I tripled up and I haven't slowed down. Uh, So I've been taking quite a lot, but I was mentioning that I took a month off all those detox remedies because my body was just feeling overdosed. And during that whole month, I didn't feel any different because all I was doing was the Evo, the the ESS-60. So when I uh, got rechecked and the doctor said, wow, you really came down, but I'm still at 95%. um, I got back on the detox. He said, yeah, definitely don't stop. So I've been doing it again, but I think that I have lived through some things that... um, (laughs) Many people may not have, and I feel like this uh, ESS-60 has made me somewhat bulletproof because um, I feel super strong, and I'm not young, and I, um, the poisoning was intense. It was um, not only uranium, but it was also strontium and palladium. Like, what? So, and they were, you know, over the red line, which means over, you know, the hundred percentile, I had gone off the charts. So the fact that I'm alive, I think is a miracle, but I feel like I've pretty much fully recovered. I had lost 25 pounds 
uh, which is great for most women, but I'm five too. So I'm kind of glad the pounds are back and I'm back to normal. But the product has blown my mind and the testimonials are where I'm seeing something that I find historic, kind of like the hydroxychloroquine. Nobody knew about it, but they've known about it for years. And the fact that they're admitting that, yes, it has the ability to help perhaps heal uh, the, the CV and, you know, when you mix it with zinc or whatever they're, you know, suggesting. But here's this remedy that nobody's heard about because it's only 50 cents a shot, you know, or a, a pill, which is great, but it's also healing people from lupus. Now, I thought the words were, no, we don't have anything that'll heal people from lupus. So what's coming out now is that we do. And we're finding these miraculous um, natural medicines or inexpensive medicines uh, that are going to probably make a huge difference. And ESS-60, I think, is going to be another one of them. We're getting testimonials from people that are saying it cured my cataracts. Now, we are not going to say it cures cataracts, but we've had testimonials and it's not the first one I've seen. So we're also creating remedies for dogs and for cats, which you can give to horses and bunnies. But, you know, the fact that it's healing humans, it's also working for animals. And the testimonials that, are pe that people are sending us about their pets are impressive because pets don't lie. They don't pretend. They just, you know, if all of a sudden your old dog is starting to move again and run around, that's really exciting. So you can see the difference in an animal because all of a sudden they're acting differently. But um, I don't know if I mentioned it on one of your shows, but somebody had said, my 12-year-old dog is finally humping the young dog again. So <laughs> It's a family I mean, show, Patty. Careful. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, we're getting testimonials that everybody and their dog and their cats are getting more energy, better sleep, and healing a lot of things in their bodies. I mean, it's, it seems almost endless. And um, I think another thing very interesting, which I'd like Chris to explain, is the mental balance that also comes with C60. A lot of people are saying, I'm so calm. And I know it's really helped me. Chris, did you want to talk about that aspect of it, the mental calmness? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, and I, and I, I attribute, you know, because because the you know the next question is, well, Chris, why do you think that might be happening? Um, and I will say two things. One, uh, we do know that the ESS molecule can cross the blood-brain barrier, uh, so it can have impacts some uh, impacts on your kind of mental function. Um, but what we get, but mostly what I'll say is, it's, I think it's related to sleep. So I've got some some pretty amazing testimonials about kind of feeling better mentally and and some uh, situations where maybe going to the hospital on a regular basis for mental health issues are kind of alleviated. Uh, before I jump into that, though, I just want to add. What one of the testimonials that's kind of consistent and may seem insignificant is hair growth and longer, faster nail growth. Because, uh, and I think it's significant because, or it is significant because those are kind of uh, things that your body does last. When health is 
in good shape, when your body's in good shape and you're doing the right things, your nails tend to grow faster and your hair tends to grow better. Um, Chris, I got to so jump in. Just, We're going to take a quick time out. We'll come back and yeah. we'll get back to that point on the other side. Chris Burris, Patty Greer, and uh, we are talking about the miracle molecule carbon 60, C60 Evo. Back with more in a moment. Stay with us. Keeping an eye on the new world order. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll free 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. Say hello on Twitter at Richard Serrett, S-Y, because I love you, R-E-T-T. And of course, uh, don't forget the new website, strangeplanet.ca. And while you're there, register. And uh, for the uh, the free monthly newsletter, Inner Sanctum, just scroll down to the bottom and uh, just click on Inner Sanctum and enter your email and you're registered. It comes to your uh, email inbox every month for free. All right. Uh, Chris Burroughs and Patty Greer here from a C60 Evo. And again, if you scroll down to uh, on the website, strangeplanet.ca, just look for the banner. Click on that. And uh, that'll take you right to the website. And then if you enter the uh, the code, they are generously offering 5% off. Just enter RS1SPEC when you order, RS1SPEC. So, Chris, let's finish up with uh, you were talking about how uh, it, it crosses the blood-brain barrier, how that may have something to do with why it is um, helping people stay more calm. And then I want to talk about um, – your testing of some of the other providers of, of carbon 60. Yeah. So just to, just to wrap that up, I've got a, we've got a couple of, of testimonials that are, that are pretty powerful. Um, I, some of them are pretty subtle, right? When you start talking about kind of just feeling better from a mental health perspective, um, something as subtle as working with an influencer in the UK uh, and her video was basically like at talking about, how things were going better at home and how she used the word she has a longer fuse with her children at home. Um, and so, you know, that's that patience, that's that calm. I had one guy who was actually in our office. We're not really designed to, you know, we're not a retail location. We've got a warehouse and office space. Uh, but if we get will call customers, they can come in. Uh, and, and I noticed there's one customer and, and he shared with me that, Chris, I've got to share with you my my job is less stressful. And he's like, but let me be clear. It's the same work. It's the same people. It's the same stress. I just feel less stressed at that job. And again, you know, crossing the blood-brain barrier, potentially important. Better sleep, definitely important in that scenario. All right. So you see carbon-60 everywhere. How do you make sure you're getting the good stuff? I mean, and what, have you, what are you finding uh, from other people who are selling carbon 60 yeah so this is I, i'm i'm not supposed to be a guy who sells supplements i'm a carbon nanomaterial scientist uh i think people become supplement guys uh, or gals one of two ways usually it's i want to be wealthy so i'm going to sell supplements and i have no problem with people being wealthy uh, i think the other path is i i have my own physical challenge or i've got a loved one who has a physical challenge and i help solve that with supplements and now i want to save the world i also don't have a problem with people wanting to save the world neither one are are my particular situation i've been manufacturing carbon nanomaterials since 1991 they do this to, uh, this toxicity study in 2012 
where the rats live twice as long and die without tumors. And now I'm trying to be a good steward to this to the supplement. Um, so now I'm in, in, involved in this industry. The supplement industry, there are concerns about the supplement industry. I, I've read one paper where about 50% of supplements on the market don't have what they say in them. And I can say I canvassed because we have the test equipment. We've been selling this research material to research institutions around the world, again, since 1991. We've got the equipment. We've tested everybody, everyone's product. And it's woefully short of even 50% of the people in this market have what they say in it. So it's kind of the reason that I like to emphasize ESS-60 because that's going to keep you safe in this market. And I can just give you one example. We've tested uh, one particular set of pills uh, that are on the market, and you would have to take 200 of those pills to have what we would call a normal serving size. And so that's just one example of, of, a, of the vast majority of, kind of products we've tested in, in our own industry. Uh, did you want to jump on in there, Patty, and, and uh, mention anything regarding that? Yeah, I think it's been really shocking. And, you know, Chris and Robert bought 22 products. So they really kind of cleaned up the online market as far as we're going to test everything out there. And um, they haven't shown me all the numbers, but they did tell me a few of the top companies. And it was shocking that the capsules that you would need 200 to equal a teaspoon of ours to get the same amount of C60. But they also found that there were some pretty big leaders in the industry selling products that had one-tenth of the, the what they say there is in the bottle. The um, avocado oil, instead of 0.6 milligrams, it had 0.06. And um, he went down, you know, there are different flavors, and the, the olive oil had a third of what our olive oil has. So, you know, it's like, why? Why would they be shorting their products this much and how can the customers not be noticing? <clears throat> but like I said, I was doing a different product earlier. It was not made in a clean lab, and it was not uh, tested in the HPLC machines to know if there was that much C60 in it that the bottle claimed. So for me, my choice is going to be to buy a professional lab that tests their batches. And I had no idea that our competition, if you can call it that, was selling products that were such low um, concentrations of C60. I don't know if they're doing it on purpose to save money or they just don't know any better, but it was shocking. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, Chris's term was woefully low, but we don't want anybody to ruin this industry. It's too important. So that's why the distinction of ESS60 is going to make a big difference <clears throat> when people see that on the label, they'll know it's the good stuff. And um, I appreciate that you've offered your audience a 5% discount. And that can be on top of, we do a lot of discounts on the website because C60, ESS60, is more valuable than gold per gram. It's an expensive product, no way, no two ways about it. But um, what we do on our website, if you sign up for a monthly subscription, then you put in your credit card once and every month you get your bottle. But we give you 20% off every order. And if you use Richard's code, you get another 5% off your first order. And then you're hooked in for 20% off. We have gift sets um, that are like the sampler set, one of each flavor. 
so you can see which flavors you like better. And that one's $35 off of if you bought the three bottles. And then we have the pet lover sets where you can get a bottle for your dog and a bottle for you or a bottle for your cat and a bottle for you and you save money. So the website's kind of fun. The store has what we call deals and then you can do Richard's discount on top. But we do try and, you know, work with people. We have a military discount if people are, um, you know, with the military, it's ML10 for another 10% off. And we might write you and say, you know, what's your military standing just to be sure, you know, people um, are using it appropriately. But we want as many people as possible to be able to heal. And look at this world we're in right now. I mean, what? Everybody's potentially going to get this terrible virus? I don't think so. But we're definitely in it right now. We're in the thick of it. So to be able to build your immune system with 172 times the power of vitamin C seems like a really good idea to me. Uh, all right. And hopefully once this uh, quarantine lifts, you'll get back uh, at that uh, that animal study, Chris. And when do you think you might have some results? Well, just remember that that original study uh, was, it was, you know, it earmarked to be a 32-month study, ended up being a 62-plus-month study. Uh, so we're talking five years for actual results. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a long-term investment, but it's the right investment for, for us to be making. All right. Fantastic. Uh, so, again, if they go to strangeplanet.ca, scroll down to the bottom and just click on the uh, the banner there for C60 Evo. And again, uh, RS1SPEC for an extra 5% off. RS1SPEC. Uh, Chris, Patty, thank you again. Stay well. We'll talk soon. Thank you. And thank you, you stay Richard. well. Are you still enjoying the product? Oh, yes. Every morning. Amen. Excellent. Thank you both. Talk soon. All right. My thanks to Carlos Cagina and Ryan White back next week with a brand new program. And in the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. And what I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Or at least up the stairs. Good night. All right, we are back. Open lines, 10 minutes, and then uh, then we are on to other matters. So get it said. I'm, I'm never sure when we'll have another opportunity for open lines. So um, get on board now at 416-360-0740-416-360-0740-1866-740-4740-1866-740-4740. And uh, a message to uh, my live stream producer, Ryan, if uh, there are questions from the uh, the YouTube live chat, we will certainly entertain those as well. Uh, we can talk about the uh, the quarantine. When do you think it'll be lifted, and when do you think it should be lifted? Uh, what businesses do you think should open up before uh, before too long? I certainly um, have my opinions about this. I've been, you know, I um, I started tweeting probably close to a month ago about the need for at that time about the need to form, and I was sort of directing my comments towards. 
the uh, the premier of Ontario and the need for an economic task force. And again, that was about a month ago. Um, they they should have been doing that at the same time. And and I'm I'm not telling anyone to you know to to be reckless. I'm not saying to go against any protocols. We have to follow the protocols. I'm just saying we need to figure out. They should have had an exit strategy very very soon after the lockdown started. How are we going to start opening up the economy? How can we do this in a way uh, that will mitigate risk, but at the same time save our, our our economy from going over the cliff? My great my greatest fear is not the virus; it is the potential for the irreparable harm we have done. Not only to the, to the provincial and the national economy, but the global economy. And my fear is that the the cure is going to end up being far worse than the disease. Let's let's not forget that if we head into a if the United States, for example, were to head into a uh, a deep depression, they would take the world economy down with it, and poverty kills. People will starve. Poverty will kill. I'm pretty confident saying far more than the coronavirus. And so what we need to do is ask ourselves um, how it is that essential services like grocery stores and banks and, and other places that continued to run during the lockdown, how did they mitigate risk? How did they ensure their employees and their customers were kept safe it's this is not rocket science certainly other businesses can look at what the essential services are doing and do the same thing i'm not saying every business can open up but we should have had an exit strategy far earlier the moment we we started locking things down we should have been asking ourselves the 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 provincial government the federal government should have been bringing together business leaders industry leaders, labor leaders, and, and, and putting their minds together and figuring out how can we open up businesses? Now, in the United States, of course, they are starting to open up. Um, but if we head into a, if we're not already there now, a worldwide depression where we could have serious disruption to certain supply chains, uh, things could go south. And um, this is, again, this is what keeps me up. It's not the, it's not the virus. We can, we can look to open things up while mitigating risk. But also, of course, yes, we need to protect the most vulnerable. And who are they? Well, by and large, they are people in nursing homes, retirement homes. They are people uh, with severe and several severe underlying health conditions. You can't, we can't continue to cower in our homes and expect to develop some sort of herd immunity. Because as soon as we finally go out, as long as there's one case out there, then it's going to go around again. We have to, it's like a war, right? We have to send troops out of the trench. And, and those people out of the trenches first, the youngest, the healthiest, those with uh, good immune systems, send them back to work, mitigate risk, open up businesses, 
but mitigate the risk. We can do both. We can walk and chew gum. Uh, let's say hi to um, not. Oh, not Gordo. Is on, he's in a live chat. Not Gordo asks, will you, Richard, allow your children to get the COVID vaccine? Well, I don't expect to see a COVID vaccine anytime soon. And uh, I'm not happy about all of this talk about a mandated vaccine. I'm not saying I'm not suggesting people should not take the vaccine if they if they want, if it ever comes. But I have read that with a coronavirus, uh, it does not induce the kind of immune response. It does not induce a a um, a strong immune response. And so I have read a number of epidemiologists and immunologists saying that don't hold your breath for a, an effective vaccine for COVID because that type of virus does not elicit a strong immune system, uh, a, long, a strong uh, immune response. Uh, I would not be interested in a Bill Gates sponsored uh, mandated vaccine. I would... Um, if they were to introduce that into Canada, I would have to seriously think about relocating, quite honestly. Now, Thinker in the live chat is asking for my thoughts on new gun, gun control measures in Canada, which are currently being passed. Well, my understanding is that they have, uh, and this, of course, came in um, in the wake of this horrible uh, massacre, shooting massacre in port pic Nova Scotia, 22 dead plus the shooter, uh, right off the heels of that incredibly cynical um, opportunist move by the, uh, the government to, by an order in council, by a cabinet decision, not even in front of parliament, putting it to a vote. Appalling, absolutely appalling. Uh, but my understanding is that they've walked back uh, on a lot of the uh, the measures that they were trying to institute, which was basically banning, in many cases, guns that are already illegal. Uh, so, you know, this never makes sense. This is just bad policy. It goes without saying. If you're going to uh, uh, punish law-abiding gun owners, the, the weapons in question uh, by the, uh, the shooter in Nova Scotia, who was impersonating an RCMP officer, um, they were illegally obtained. Do you think gang members are going to stop using these banned weapons? No. They're going to take these weapons out of the hands of legal, conscientious, responsible uh, gun owners. This is always the way. It's just bad policy. It doesn't work. They know it doesn't work. Uh, it's pointless, but it's, uh, it's demonstrating action. And it's a very cynical ploy. Uh, but but I believe that uh, most of the more stringent me measures, they have since walked back because they got such a negative and overwhelming uh, negative response. Okay, now I think we do have uh, Tom from Long Island on the phone. Tom, are you there? Richard, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. We just have a couple okay. minutes. What's on your mind, my friend? No, I appreciate it. Listen, I've... Um First time I've called your show, I've been listening for the last several months. A lot of fun, a lot of just kind of really enjoy listening to it on a Sunday night. Um, well, thank you. So, hey, I'm down here on Long Island, kind of in the at the uh, quote-unquote epicenter of uh, of all of this, just kind of, you know, the the COVID, just kind of listening to you uh, talking the last couple of minutes here. And 
just one of the things I I I, I thought of as we as I'm listening to you talk is, you know, New York State did a, uh, a very a pretty broad antibody test to kind of you know get an idea of how many people really had the disease but didn't know it to kind of get a you know because there's only so much testing you can do right um, from people who are sick. So they did a pretty broad antibody test. And I don't know if you heard any of the results of that, but, but what they were saying was, especially in New York City and even out here on, on Long, Long Island, but up to up to 25% if you extrapolate the results of that. Sure, uh, which means that. the case fatality rate goes, goes exactly. down because the higher the denominator, then the, the, the case fatality rate goes down. And in Los Angeles County, it was something like 300,000 cases. They did a lot, the study, the Southern California University did a study, 300,000. Uh, so uh, again, the numbers are being gamed. There's no question. Uh, listen, uh, got to run. We'll, um, we'll talk to you next time. Coming up on the other side, an update on the molecule, the miracle molecule carbon 16 with Chris Burris and Patty Greer. That's uh, next on The Conspiracy Show. Live from Toronto, Canada, Earth. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett on Zoomer Radio. Thanks for inviting me into your home. Long haul truck, RV, camper, taxi. Your parents' well-appointed rec room with the simulated wood paneling, electric fireplace, and the painting of dogs playing poker. Your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. And a big howdy to all of you listening in on our flagship station, AM 740, and 96.7 FM Zoomer Radio here in Toronto. And hey there to each of you tuning us in on one of our affiliate stations across North America. Hello to those of you streaming us live on zoomerradio.ca, the Zoomer Radio app, and of course my YouTube channel, Strange Planet. Last but certainly not least, my faithful listeners who join me every week without fail in the YouTube live chat. However, and wherever you're listening, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes, and I thank you for your fine company. Several months ago, I introduced you to Chris Burris, a scientist, engineer, entrepreneur. His research company is the world's number one supplier of a chemical compound discovered back in the 1990s. Uh, in fact, the chemists who discovered carbon-60 won the Nobel Prize in chemistry. Well, it turns out carbon-60 has some pretty remarkable properties and a lot of industrial uses and even military applications. But it turns out a form of carbon-60 called ESS-60 may also hold the key to longevity. In fact, in the now famous 2012 Paris study, ESS-60 suspended in olive oil was fed to some test rats. The test was determined or was to determine whether ESS-60 was toxic. But not only did it not kill the rats, not only did it not make them sick, those rats that were fed the ESS-60 ended up living almost twice their natural lifespan. That's right. It doubled their lifespan. And since then, of course, we've learned ESS-60 is a powerful antioxidant, 172 times more potent than vitamin C. And uh, we now welcome scientist, entrepreneur, engineer, Chris Burris. How are you, Chris? I am doing wonderful, Richard. How are you doing this evening? Terrific. Thank you. And let's also uh, welcome aboard Patty Greer, best known as the award-winning filmmaker, crop circle researcher. Somehow she got together with Chris Burris after some 
serious health issues. And she's become not only a huge fan of ESS 60, so much so that she she bought the company. Well, at least part of it. It's called C60 Evo. And uh, she also handles media and promotions. Patty Greer, welcome back. How are you? Thank you, Richard. Good to see you again. Likewise. Okay, so uh, C60 Evo is uh, is the uh, the company. And first of all, let's get an update on this this um, animal study. I talked about the one from 2012. Uh, you're now, I believe, in the midst of redoing that animal study because that's what science is all about, right? Repeatable experiments. Yes, absolutely. So, um, you know, the typical scientific processes have a theory uh, in this case or a hypothesis. In this case, the hypothesis was actually that the material would be toxic. Um, then you do a test and you get a result. In this case, the test was uh, not uh, that it was not toxic, but that it actually extended the life of rats by 90%. Also, those rats died without tumors. The next step is actually for some other, can, it can never be the same institution because they have kind of scientific pride on the line. And so, the, the, you know, the, sometimes there's the potential that the, the results can get skewed. So it needs to be another or organization that does the test. Yeah, we've actually started that process. Um, we're, 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 we, it's actually been interrupted by COVID, you can imagine. Uh, the in- first initial steps are uh, actually some pro- preliminary toxicity studies that need to be done for the particular organization that we're going to use to do those. Uh, we also have to figure out the right way to dose them, because in the original study, they actually used what are called gavages, which is actually a tube down the throat. Those gavages are known to cause, well, death if they go down the wrong tube. Uh, and so we've got to come up with a process so that we can introduce the ESS-60 uh, without this gavage. And that really is, is a matter. It's just a simple math process of, okay, how much of the ESS-60 in olive oil can we get into their food and have them have an appropriate diet? But those things have been started. Uh, and then there's, a, a you know, like, as with everything, there's a delay now because of COVID. So if I remember correctly, talking about this Paris study, and again, these rats were fed a, a, a consumable form of carbon-60, which is called ESS-60. It was suspended in olive oil, and it was originally a toxicity study, but then it turned into a longevity study. And then it only ended because, uh, I mean, the rat was there was one rat still alive. Didn't they end up just euthanizing it because they had to sort of wrap up the study? They could have gone on longer, Correct. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you've got to think, and, and I always like to give kudos to the researchers who did the actual researcher research, because, again, they assumed the material would be toxic. It was a toxicity study. I think it's safe to say when the group that you thought would be toxic outlives all of the control group, that was the group given water, at that point, your toxicity study is complete. They've survived regular rats' lives. Uh, in, in this case, they actually decided to continue to feed and, you know, nurture the rats. Uh, and, and a typical Worcester rat dies at about month 32. It has a known amount of tumors. That amount of tumors actually increases with the lifespan of the rat. Our rats, the rats given the C60 EVO formula, 
lived 90% longer, and none of them died with tumors. And you're exactly right. Right at around 62 months, uh, there were only two rats left. One of the rats passed, uh, and so they decided to euthanize. I mean, think about it. You're two and a half years past what your normal toxicity study should have been. Uh, they're like, okay, it's time to be able to publish. So they euthanized that last rat, did the appropriate studies on that rat, and then, uh, and then published. And and why do we use rats? Uh, are they similar? They're, they're um, I don't know. Are they similar to humans in some ways? Well, yeah. So I, I think you know when you're when you're looking at different kind of models for whether it's. Um, it's a poison, which again they thought this would be that it would be toxic, or you're looking for models for for medicines. Um, you're looking, you want to look at different models. Uh, so sometimes you'll use mouse and mice. Actually, rats are more similar to humans than rats are to mice, uh, which is very kind of counterintuitive. And so rats are kind of the standard before you go into well, one the standard for toxicity studies, first level to- toxicity studies, and then even if we were talking about med- medicine, which our product isn't, but if you're talking about medicine, then rats are kind of the standard. And then if if there's need to do additional testing because there might be borderline toxicity or things like that, you might go to a larger mammal uh, like a pig. That would be typically the next animal size up. Right. But in the meantime, it's safe for human consumption. People are taking this and you're getting loads and loads of anecdotal evidence about possible health benefits. We can't claim, you know, cures, we can't make claims, but uh, it's safe for human consumption and you're getting loads of anecdotal evidence. What, what, What kind of anecdotal evidence are you getting from people? So, so kind of in the vein of this scientific process, right, is come up with a hypothesis. Our current hypothesis is that it provides better sleep. The reason that's our hypothesis is because most of our customers report back to us that when they take the product in the morning, they have mental focus and energy during the day, and then they report better sleep that night. So I've already started a preliminary study. There's a, there's a product on the market called the Aura Ring, O-U-R-A, Aura Ring, and it's supposed to be one of the better sleep trackers on the market. So I'm in contact with a scientist. He's actually a, a, a new professor at, the, at UC Santa, San Diego, UC San Diego. And he's working with Aura Ring, so he has access to the back-end data. So I'm currently running a study where somebody who has an Aura Ring, um, we provide them with product. They take First, we get 10 days of data prior to taking the product, and then 10 days of data after taking the product, and then we actually cycle that one more time, you know, 10 days off, 10 days back on. And so we're already kind of carrying forward that, that, uh, that scientific process. Um, with better sleep, I mean, we kind of all do a little hand-waving. There's a really good book out there. Uh, I, I, you should definitely go read it. It's called Why We Sleep, and it talks about everything bad that happens to us when we don't get enough sleep. So I think as a society, we do a lot of hand-waving, but we do really about sleep. Like, hey, sleep is absolutely one of the most important things, you know, well, unless I've got something else to do. Uh, and, I, and I think it won't read that book because it'll kind of maybe snap that out of you. Sleep is, a, is of paramount importance. 
Um, and, and, and then when you get sleep, we all know that you, you, you're, you have improved mental, physical, and emotional well-being. And when you have those three, a lot of things improve. So we get, we get testimonials. Um, one thing about our product is it really fits well in, in, in so when we start talking about inflammation, uh, at least here in the States with the FDA, you have to be really careful about what you say about inflammation for whatever reason the FDA has equated inflammation with disease. Uh, and our product is not in, you know, not evaluated by the FDA. FDA hasn't been, uh, uh, evaluated as not intended to treat, diagnose, cure, or prevent any disease. Uh, and so we have to be careful. So what, what we say is that it's very naturally fits into a, uh, anti-inflammatory diet. And anti-inflammatory diets like the Mediterranean diet are associated with a population of people who have reduced Alzheimer's, better, better cardio health, um, and actually they're kind of a, a blue zone people, which is a zone of people who actually live longer than the average person on the planet. And uh, do we know how it works? Why it, it, it may be doing what it's doing for people in terms of possibly reducing cellular damage, possibly slowing down aging? Do we know how it works, this carbon 60 or the C60 Evo uh, formulation? Yeah, well, so uh, what we do know, and, and the current medical thought process as it relates to uh, aging is that it's an oxidation and an inflammation uh, um, process, right? So we're actually oxidizing our bodies. Uh, inflammation is doing damage to our bodies, and that's ultimately what's causing aging. So it's not surprising that something that had this very long extended extension of life in rats is a known antioxidant and, of course, fits into the anti-inflammatory diet. Um, so, so, yeah, its ability to uh, absorb reactive oxygen species, so that's, that's really what an antioxidant does. Uh, the fact that, I think, as you mentioned, uh, it's, a, it's at least one test shows it to be 172 times more powerful than vitamin C. You, you put those two things together, uh, then you then you have this understanding that it makes sense. Um, next, we do know that it can actually get into the mitochondria. Uh, so that's in the cell. Every one of our cells has a mitochondria in it, and that is the engine of the cell. So we know that ESS-60 molecules can get into the mitochondria and participate in these uh, processes, these energy processes, so like ATP processes. Uh, and, and, and it's assumed like so the exact mechanism... Uh, is not really known. The fact that it can participate in something so fundamentally important to our body probably has something to do with it. Uh, so let's get Patty Greer in here, uh, Crop Circle filmmaker. Uh, Patty, just remind us how you crossed paths with Chris and how you uh, started taking this formulation, C60 Evo. Aha. Uh -huh. Well, I... Um... I had an interesting career. I hiked into an awful lot of crop circles over 10 years, did a lot of filming, hauled a lot of Camry gear around. And um, a few years ago, I got wounded and I found myself in a lot of pain. And I met somebody who uh, handed me a bottle of C60 in olive oil. And I, I tried it, and I wasn't impressed. And then somebody else offered me some six months later. And I was like, yeah, I tried it. Thanks anyway. And he said, no, no, try this one. And that one really made a difference. And it turns out that raw material had come from Chris's lab. 
So um, I started taking it regularly and I was taking it mixed in olive oil. I'm sorry, uh, coconut oil. And I was taking it every day, really impressed, like, wow, this is making such a difference. And it wasn't until I met Chris that I learned that coconut oil, which I'd been taking a year and a half, holds less than half the concentration of C60 that you can get in olive oil. And when I met Chris, um, I've kind of known him off and on for a couple of years, but when we really started talking about creating a new business together, he was just shifting into the evolution of C60. And the C60 molecule has many different quality layers, but what Chris was doing was realizing that all these years he's been selling industrial um, quality C60, which is not for humans to be taking internally. And he started getting calls and suggestions that people were starting to put it in their bodies. So he uh, went back to that 2012 really high quality testing ESS60 formulation, which is manufactured to be safe for human consumption. And as soon as I got on Chris's ESS60, it was a whole new world because it was mixed into olive oil. And I learned that the olive oil holds 0.8 milligrams per milliliters of C60. And here I was taking coconut oil, which no matter how well or how long you mix it, you'll only get 0.35 milligrams compared to 0.8. So I've been hooked on olive oil ever since. And um, because I knew people like you from my crop circle film years, and I had a lot of people I was doing interviews with, Chris and I decided to work together, my audience, my enthusiasm, and his product. And we've been together almost six months, um, or actually it was six months on April 31st. So our business is surprisingly booming even through this difficult time because it's one of those products that is going to take us through to the next paradigm, whatever that looks like. You know, the food in a bucket, the emergency food is another good investment, gold perhaps, and C60 Evo, which is the ESS60. It's healing people, and it's definitely healed me, and that's why I've been so loyal and so regular uh, taking the product every day. So, uh, carbon sixty. Take us back, uh, Chris, because this was um, discovered. This unique molecule, their chemical compound, and and I mentioned earlier that the the discoverer has ended up winning the Nobel Prize in chemistry for it. It's um, it's often referred to as buckyballs. Um, named after the uh, the American uh, architect and inventor, Buckminster Fuller. Um, tell me uh, about, you know, why this discovery was is so important, carbon-60. What's so big, what's such a big deal about this molecule? Absolutely. So, so um, those three professors, that's Dr. Croto, Dr. Smalley, and Dr. Curl, uh, based out of, of Houston, actually, they, the three... Dr. Croto is actually based out of the UK, uh, but they collaborated here in Houston at Rice University. Uh, it was in 1985 that they made this first discovery with this very unique piece of equi equipment that uses a laser and a, and a puff of inert gas and takes it into a mass spectrometer. Just phenomenal piece of equipment. 
And uh, so they made this discovery. They published a paper in Nature. Uh, really, really, the way the discovery came about is as information was coming out of this mass spectrometer, they knew that they were only introducing carbon into it, and they knew that carbon would make sheets of graphite, right? So uh, what they noticed, in fact, one of the grad students over a particular weekend was able to adjust the equipment and create this high peak at C60 and then a kind of a lesser peak at C70. And so his thought process, and this is initially was started with that grad student, was, well, if I'm just making planes and sheets of graphite, why would one sheet of graphite favor 60 instead of 59 or 61, right? It does, that, that, that doesn't make sense. It's either one extra piece of carbon or one less. Why would it be any different? Uh, when he took it into the group and Dr. Smalley and Dr. Croto and Dr. Curl started working on, okay, well, what does this data really mean? They ultimately realized that if you take this geodesic dome shape, really like a soccer, the easiest way to kind of represent it is if you imagine a soccer ball, the lines on the soccer ball represent the bonds between the carbon atoms. So you have the spherical molecule of 60 carbon atoms. When they realized that was the shape and they had enough data to kind of support that hypothesis, they published it in Nature, probably the most illustrious scientific magazine. Um, or magazine publication. And so that came onto the scene. Everyone's kind of doing theoretical work. Uh, you fast forward until I think it was about 1989 or so uh, when a group called uh, uh, some professors Huffman and Kratchmere actually came up with a process for uh, vaporizing graphite in an inert environment and making quantities of this material that you could start to do research with so that you could actually hold it in your hand. Um, if you go back in, in history, you look at uh, in 1991, it's actually the same year I started my parent, the parent company. In 1991, 10 of the 10 most referenced papers in all of scientific literature were referencing fullerenes or this buckyball. And the real reason, I mean, we kind of joke that the, the, the value of the buckyball way back then was uh, for funding. If you were writing a proposal about this recent or soon-to-be Nobel Prize winning material, you were very likely to get funded. And the reason, but the reason you were still writing these papers is because this buckyball is just amazing. I would say it performs as well or better than the current best material in almost every application. It's just too expensive. It's harder than a diamond. It'll actually turn into a diamond. Uh, it's got six-fold symmetry, so they can slam this buckyball against a plate of steel like 10,000 miles per hour, and instead of just disintegrating like all other molecules would, uh, it just bounces back. It's got this ability to hold electrons, uh, release electrons, and then, it, then the whole kind of carbon nanomaterial industry just starts expanding when you add carbon-70, which is a bigger kind of more rugby ball-shaped version of it, or nanotubes, which is the strongest material uh, intention that man will ever see. Uh, so that's kind of why this, and, and, that, and the last thing that really kind of keyed it in uh, for them to win the Nobel Prize and it for to be. Chris, I got to jump in here. Oh, yes. We're going we're gonna to finish up on the other side. We'll, we'll find out. And then someone decided, hey, you know, we can consume this stuff. We'll find out uh, how that, that uh, started as well. Patty Greer, Chris Burris, talking about the miracle molecule carbon 60 when the conspiracy show continues right after this.
Live from Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler, hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. And I am coming to you live once again from my little studio beneath the stairs here in Old Thornhill, just north of Toronto. Open lines this hour. I welcome all comers. If you have a comment or a question about the quarantine and COVID-19, or if you'd like to talk about political intrigue or subterfuge, uh, UFOs, things that go bump in the night, the numbers to call in the greater Toronto area, 416 360-0740-416-360-0740. And out of town, toll free from just about anywhere, 1-866-740-4740. 1-866-740-4740. Open lines this hour. Now, also this hour, Victor Vigiani from Zeland News Network is standing by for a quick word about the U.S. Department of Defense, which I guess it was Monday of this week, so six days ago, released uh, three uh, declassified videos of unexplained aerial phenomena. We'll talk a little bit about that. These go back to the New York Times article in December 2017. They were re- they were released along uh, at, at that time, along with the article. Uh, but they were all, they were also released uh, prior to that, sort of unofficially. So we'll uh, we'll delve into that a little bit. Also, this hour, I'm going to introduce you to artist illustrator Rick Forgas, uh, down in Arizona. Uh, Rick and I have been working together on some projects, and he has some news about my website, StrangePlanet.ca. So if you visited today or yesterday, you'll have noticed. It looks completely different. I mean, absolutely completely different. We have done a complete overhaul and redesign. And Rick uh, will be here to uh, tell us a little bit about that. But also, it turns out, Rick Forgas has an interesting story to share about his uncle, who was a sheriff in Spring, Texas, back in the 1940s or 50s. His uncle, Charles Forgas, and the Roswell UFO incident. So Rick Forgas uh, will be here with us probably towards the bottom of the hour. And as well, of course, we'll work in your phone calls. Uh, and again, at this hour, open lines 416-360-0740 in the greater Toronto area and toll free 1-866-740-4740. Coming up in the second hour, scientist entrepreneur Chris Burris returns to the program along with filmmaker Patty Greer to discuss the miracle molecule carbon-60, or at least the consumable form of carbon-60, ESS-60. This is the formulation that was used in the 2012 Paris study that doubled the lifespan of test rats. And uh, Chris and Patty were with me several months ago. They'll be back with a quick update. They're doing a new um, animal study or mammal study. Carlos Cagina is my technical producer. Ryan White is the live stream producer, and yes, we are live streaming on YouTube tonight. My YouTube channel is, of course, Strange Planet, and I think we are just a handful, an eyelash 
away from hitting the magical 20,000 subscribers mark. So please uh, like it and hit the sub button there. Uh, Okay, so on Monday, as I mentioned, the Department of Defense formally released three Navy videos that contain unidentified aerial phenomena. Enthusiasts were encouraged, though there doesn't seem to be a whole lot new there, but we'll find out. The Pentagon said it wanted to clear up any misconceptions by the public on whether or not the footage that has been circulating for a number of years was real. The videos, as I mentioned earlier, had already been leaked first in 2007 and then in 2017. Two were published by the New York Times, while the third was leaked by an organization co-founded by former Blink-182 singer Tom DeLonge. After they were first leaked, some people claimed the video showed alien-identified flying objects. Victor Vigiani is the executive director of Zeland News Network and Zeland Communications. You can go to zlandcommunications.blogspot.com, zlandcommunications.blogspot.com, where you'll get the, the latest and finest news and opinion on UFO disclosure. Victor, how are you? Just fine, Richard, and it's great to be with you again. Okay, likewise. Thank you for coming on. So, Mm. uh, as I mentioned, we have now the Pentagon sort of officially responding to these three videos uh, that were released in, in 2007 and 2017. We had earlier this year, we had the U.S. Navy commenting on them. Uh, and basically they've said, yes, these are legitimate. These are not hoaxes. Uh, so what's new here? Why is this news? Now the Pentagon is basically officially acknowledging, yes, uh, these are these are legitimate. They are unidentified. Well, what's new is the fact that um, we now have two agencies that are in lockstep with one another. That that is something that is that is relatively new. Um, the the Navy doing what it did uh, back back in 2017 after the uh, New York Times article was published, uh, authored by uh, Leslie Kane and Ralph Blumenthal and Helen Cooper, it began sort of a a cascade of information that was really unexpected. Uh, No one really had any idea that this was coming down the pipe. And it sort of sat in the doldrums for a little bit. Uh, It was picked up by news agencies as a bit of a wow. And as is always the case, or usually anyways, with stuff related to UFOs, it's uh, it's run up the flagpole and uh, it's given its own time and uh, on the air and radio television, commercial, so on and so forth. And then the flag goes down again. Uh, it just sort of, it makes a, it, it peeks its head out of the hole and then it goes back without any, any real substance or, or any real kind of large discussion. And this is part of the news cycle that happens all the time. And it's sort of submerged for a while. And then all of a sudden we get a, a thrust of information uh, from the To The Stars Academy, as you mentioned earlier, that they had a way of figuring it out, and we don't know exactly uh, how it happened, but they knew insiders within the Pentagon that they wrenched loose some of this information, and it was in video form. And the really puzzling thing is, how did the Two of the Stars Academy do it? 
we really don't have an answer to that question as to who they knew and how they were going to figure out how to get this information out. And that we as should, far as, uh, Victor, sorry yeah. for the interruption. We should just remind yeah. people, first of all, the the video in question which right. is widely available online on YouTube, et cetera. But there may be some not familiar with it. And and uh, the 2004 uh, footage, I believe, was a, a gun camera footage from an F-18 belonging mm. to the U.S. Nimitz carrier group off the coast of San Diego. Right. And this was the, the now famous Tic Tac uh, UFO uh, footage where they captured a number of these crafts and they, they resemble – uh, Tic Tac candies, so right. they were called they were white and smooth and oblong, and uh, you can you can hear the commentary from the pilot as he's capturing this video footage, and uh, so that was from 2004. That was released sort of in concert with the New York Times December 2017 right. article you mentioned, which first uh, sort of identified this secret UFO study group within the Pentagon called. ATIP, the Advanced Aerial Threat Identification Project. Right. Yeah, the, the, the video that was captured that you're referring to uh, basically was given credibility by uh, the F-18 pilot, David Fravor. And also, uh, and in another individual too, his name is, is, um, is Kevin Day. He was the uh, radar operator who first identified these things four days before the favor incident uh, and he described what he saw in his uh, radar which is the aegis radar system um, an extremely complex radar system on these battleships that are in the uh, in the pacific ocean and what what they saw and what he says is up to 12 of these things were initially seen moving all around the sky and then it developed into hundreds of these things moving around in organized fashion and right. that's when he, uh, that that's when he kind of uh, suggested that we intercept these things, or at least try to. And from that point on, it gets really bizarre, because what occurred, with the pilots saw anyways, they saw objects at sixty thousand feet, and this is corroborated by uh, by Day's testimony also. These things are at sixty thousand feet, and then within point seven eight seconds, they're at fifty feet above the water surface. And that estimated speed would be about 24,000 miles an hour, which is about 10 times the, the speed of sound. So what they had is a completely anomalous uh, video of these things to begin with. And second of all, they had no way of describing these things because there was no precedent set in terms of what kind of technology that these pilots knew of or that anyone in the Navy knew of. And that right. led them to say to themselves... This is technology that we do not recognize. That was the first step in the Navy saying what it did after all this stuff came about. Now, the Pentagon, have they, in addition to acknowledging that this video, this is real, in other words, they're not saying that these are alien craft. They're simply saying, right. yes, this is actual video f taken by a, a Navy pilot. But, but did the Pentagon talk about whether they... They consider these these um, these uh, UAPs or unidentified unidentified aerial phenomena. Whether they consider them to be some sort of a threat, whether they are worried about them, an incursion into U.S. airspace. Uh, do they have anything to say about these? Well, it's always been the position of the 
United States military that these, whatever these objects are, uh, are definitely uh, in, uh, in sort of violation of airspace. That's the first thing that the all military um, agencies have admitted before. You know, Malmstrom Air Force Base uh, with the nuclear weapons and, and all of that. So they, they do consider these things a violation of their airspace. In their statement, they, they never really alluded to that. They never really said anything about uh, whether they were hostile or not. But the assumption is by a lot of the critics and by a lot of the people who are falling in line to say what these things might be, that that's where this whole alien or the hostile alien incursion threat comes from. And also, too, the, uh, the ATIP program it says it right in there. It said it is a threat. So one of the reasons why they began the ATIP program was to investigate whether or not these things were a threat. And that's where Senator Harry Reid comes in, in his right. attempts to bring about a funding of $22 million for the ATIP program, I think beginning in 2007 and supposedly ending in, in 2012. And three other senators backed up this information in terms of getting this stuff uh, to a special access program black budget with no debate on the floor of the Senate. So all of this kind of falls in line with, I guess they wanted to proffer this stuff as, as a possible threat or possible uh, hostile actions by these craft. Now, why are they going to do that? Well, the one big reason that most people give is that, well, if we can define these things as a threat, that gives us a really good opportunity to pump more money into the military to protect uh, our sky. It's because well, the United is, States it, government does. Yeah. Is there anything interesting to you uh, regarding the timing of this? Because it's been, what, now two years and about mm -hmm. four months since the December 26, 2017 New York Times article. Why now? Why, why this particular date in time? Well, that's something that uh, a lot of people have been discussing. Uh, there are a lot of uh, theories about, about that. I have my own, uh, but the other theories could be that because of what we're going through right now with this pandemic, that it's sort of a perfect cover to throw something out to the public, just throw them a bone and see if uh, see if it works. And, and hopefully, because of the gargantuan and catastrophic implications of this pandemic, that will go, this whole thing will just go pretty much unnoticed. That's, that's one theory. Um, the, the other thing is, Will the public eventually become so involved in this or become so um, enamored by what this stuff really is in terms of technology? Will it, in fact, bring about a new understanding that we have three agencies, the Pentagon, uh, I guess the Department of Defense, the Navy uh, and the and the um, other other military agencies, too, that they are at a point now where they just literally do not know what, and what I feel is that because they don't know what to do, Richard, they've re released this stuff in a way that it makes people wonder uh, amidst all of the other problems that we're having, and then once and for all, dismiss it. And that's what I think that uh, the timing really is for me. They throw it out there, and eventually people are just so busy with stuff that's going on in their own lives right now that it's being dismissed. So the timing, in my mind, is almost perfect for what uh, for what their intentions are. That that's my assessment. It's because it, it's going to get lost in the the news cycle and then all the coverage about the pandemic. So people well, are so well, preoccupied with that. Yeah. Well, look at it from the point of view of what's really going on. If in fact, 
act, this thing is as real as it is, and the news agencies are doing what they are doing right now. CNN, CBS, ABC, NBC, all of the major networks, every single major newspaper has covered this thing in one way or another. But is the question is, is there any large discourse, dialogue, conversation about this? The answer to that question is no. In spite of all the information that's coming out, it's almost a ho-hum, Richard. Nothing is really being talked about. So if you want to develop a scare scenario or a threat scenario, it's not working very well because nobody's talking about it. The general public are pretty well apathetic about the whole thing, given whatever reasons, be it the pandemic or other reasons. There's really no point to what the news agencies are doing because it's not getting a reaction. Nobody in Congress is talking about this. Nobody in Parliament is talking about this. You get the odd uh, report on, on, on CNN here and there. But there is no large-scale discussion about the biggest story in human history. Now, I find that really incredible, and I find it very hard to believe. So do you think now going forward it's going to be easier for U.S. Navy pilots or other uh, Air Force pilots to start talking about this publicly? Yeah, I, yeah, I think uh, the, the Navy did a couple of things. First of all, you know, they released uh, their videos uh, with the three videos that were there. And not only did they release the videos, Richard, what they did do is they changed their policy from keeping all pilots in, cl in close rain, in very, very tight rain, forbidding them to talk about the whole encounter um, scenario of UFOs or UAP, whatever you want to call them. They've completely They've done a 180 degree turn and they've allowed their pilots not only to report these things to their superiors, but they're allowing the pilots to talk publicly about that. And that is something that is absolutely earth shattering. Even commercial pilots for the major airlines don't, don't allow uh, their pilots to do this. So for the Navy to begin a process whereby their pilots can actually come out and talk freely about that, that's a huge step. Now, what does that mean? Well, first of all, I think it means is that you're going to have a cascade of pilots within the Navy and possibly other military agencies saying, listen, I'm seeing these things all the time. And from any discussions that we've ever had with anyone regarding what happened back in, in 2004, this stuff is happening virtually every single day. So right. how many pilots will, will be coming forward about this if this freedom is allowed? That's true. That's very, we'll, we'll have to watch very quickly because most of the attention gets placed on the Tic Tac video from 2004 from the USS mm -hmm. Nimitz fighter group. But the, the other ones I believe were off the coast of Florida. Was it the USS Roosevelt That's right. carrier? We don't hear so much about those. Right. I, I don't even know if I've seen those videos. If, if uh, just in a, in a couple minutes, if you could just explain what, what we would see on those videos. Well, well, what you're seeing is is uh, some very similar behavior. One of the one of the um, the accounts of one of the pilots that uh, that uh, that that were sort of speaking about this, he described it as a ping pong ball hitting a wall. Now, what does that mean? Well, if you know what a ping pong ball is, and you throw it at a wall, and all of a sudden it hits the wall, and it comes back in the opposite direction without uh, without any kind of uh, halting motion at all, it just literally stops and bounces back. And what we see there is, uh, 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 I guess, a, a flight maneuver that if there is some kind of being in 
outside of that particular craft that it stops instantaneously at high speed and then reverses course automatically, whatever being is inside of that is going to be exposed to excruciating G-forces. So there must be some sort of technology involved if these things are not from here that allows these craft to, um, to perform these kind of the ping pong ball maneuvers. And I think that's one of the things, one of the characteristics that that um, example shows. Now, in the case of the USS Nimitz, there were reports from the pilots that uh, a black helicopter, a mm -hmm. uh, bit of a cliche, but it was a black helicopter landed on the Nimitz and mm -hmm. uh, within minutes, really, uh, despite the fact that I think they were about 100 miles off the coast of California, Baja mm -hmm. California, this helicopter appeared out of nowhere, basically absconded with the, 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 uh, the footage and the radar um, tapes or whatever they're, they're recorded on and flew off. Uh, were there any such, were there a similar situation, was there a similar situation on the Roosevelt? Did, did a mysterious helicopter show up and take the footage? Not, not that we have any reports of. The one you're referring to uh, is by the radar expert Gary Vorish. And he was very descriptive in his, uh, I guess, assessment that all of the data that was on the, uh, the the recordings was absconded with and erased. Uh, we have no information at this point that anything uh, at the, on the Roosevelt was absconded with or erased or or, or data eliminated. That there's no information about that. But Gary Voris is extremely specific about his uh, the demands placed on him to hand over everything. All right, Victor. Well. We uh, we will wait, I guess, for the next word from either the Pentagon or the Navy or perhaps another article from the Times, maybe something from Tom DeLonge, another another leak of a video. Uh, we will we'll have that to look forward to hopefully in the next couple of months. Always a pleasure, Victor. And again, the website is where they can read the uh, the news on UFO disclosure. Zlandcommunications.blogspot.com. Thank you, my friend. You're most welcome, Richard. It was a pleasure being with you again. All righty. When we come back, artist-illustrator Rick Forgus from Atomic Werewolf Studios down in Arizona with a few words on my website and his uncle, the late Sheriff, uh, Sheriff Charles Forgus and his possible involvement in the Roswell UFO incident of 1947. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Different views make great conversation. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard live, call 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. That's right. Yes, open lines until the top of the hour. And uh, we can uh, field questions, comments on just about anything. If you want to talk about the quarantine and uh, or COVID-19, if you want to talk about geopolitics, political subterfuge, intrigue, conspiracies, UFOs, uh, then we make the phone lines available to you now at 416-360-0740 in the greater Toronto area, 416 360 0740 and toll free from out of town. Well, just about anywhere, really toll free. 1866 744 740. 1866 740 4740. Coming up in the second hour, 
uh, Chris Burris and Patty Greer will be here with an update on Carbon 60, or at least the consumable form of Carbon 60, ESS 60. And uh, this is a, a powerful um, antioxidant that was used in a um, an animal study back in 2012. It's called the Paris study. The rats were fed ESS 60 suspended on olive oil, and it doubled their lifespan, doubled their lifespan. And uh, Chris will be here. Uh, they are now, I believe, in the midst of a new animal study. Uh, they're going to try to repeat, uh, you know, with experiments. They have to be repeatable. So we'll see what happens. All right. I want to introduce you to uh, a friend of mine. Uh, we met on uh, Facebook, uh, I guess, about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago now. And he's a, a very talented uh, illustrator, artist, uh, graphic designer. And he has, uh, well, we work together, sort of, but he's he's really the, uh, the talent behind the operation. Uh, if you go to the website, strangeplanet.ca, uh, he has done a complete overhaul. And I just, I wanted to bring him on for a few moments to talk about that, to introduce you to him, to tell you what's going on with the website, kind of walk us through it, a, a little tour. So if you want to log on now, if you're listening and you're, you're near your computer, just go to strangeplanet.ca. And in the meantime, we'll, we'll welcome Rick Forgus to The Conspiracy Show. Rick, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great, Richard. Thank you so much for having me on, buddy. Yeah, it's a, it's a great pleasure to have you on. And you're down in, uh, in the Phoenix area in Arizona. Yes. And uh, it's, it's Atomic Werewolf Studios. That's the name of the... Uh, well, your 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 business really, your illustrating and and graphic design business. Right, exactly. Very and you powerful. have a new, yeah. and you have a website as well. You give us your website. I can go to uh, atomicwerewolfstudio.com and you can find all my work. All right, and if people go to strangeplanet.ca right now, uh, you just first of all, you've done a marvelous job. It's it's oh. streamlined. Everything is on one page. There's no more landing page where you have to go to the radio show you just scroll down and the banner stays at the very top uh just give us a little tour here well i you know in talking to you i think what i've learned is that you have a lot of information to share you are a busy person and as we talked we were able to create a site where everything is as you said is concise and it's organized you can catch up on your shows any information or news appearances uh, we have a direct link to the apparel shop with, you know, uh, quite a bit of, of, of uh, uh, apparel and uh, sundries. Uh, we, we, should, the- we should point out, excuse me, Rick, but we should point yes. out that you also did the design on all, yes. of the, uh, the, the, all of the merch in the Strange Planet shop. The T-shirts, the mugs, the phone cases, the socks, the leggings, the hoodies, the sweatshirts, you did all <laughs> those designs. I mean, I, I, we kind of shared some ideas, kicked some ideas around, but you did the, the actual artwork, and they're beautiful. Well, thank you, but we certainly worked on them together. Uh, there's so many of them were your ideas. Uh, not to mention the full script dispensary page is now up and running, and you can find uh, whatever you would like as far as your supplements. Right, right. You can just click on any product and it'll take you uh, right there. Yes. That's the full, the Strange Planet full script dispensary. You mentioned the appearances. So if people want to see where else I'll be appearing. So, for example, uh, on Coast to Coast, uh, right. you can get my, my latest dates there. There's also the list of affiliates. Uh, there's a link to the uh, the podcast. But if they just scroll down, if they go to strangeplanet.ca and scroll down, everything now is on one page. 
it's so yeah. easy to it's yeah. so easy to navigate. Yes, I think that's what's been so nice about this redesign is you like I said, you have a lot of information to share and now it's all in one place under one header and you can just find anything you want. Exactly. Strangeplanet.ca. And also those little car, uh, those little uh, comic panels at the top uh, <laughs> where you see me tracking Bigfoot or you see me watching uh, aliens disembark from a UFO or there's me at Stonehenge. All those illustrations, you did those as well. And I get so much positive feedback oh, great. Uh, about those. Great. Thanks, Richard. Yes, those are great fun. Happy to do those. All right. Now, I have to ask you, um, this is quite remarkable. You know, we, you reached out to me, you know, just wanting to say hi, uh, what, maybe a year and a half ago, maybe a little right. longer on, mm-hmm. on Facebook. Right. And, oh, we should also mention uh, uh, Colleen, your lovely bride, Colleen yeah. Far- uh, Forgus, is she's the, the, uh, the nutritional, the nutritionist and the, uh, the manager at the full script dispensary. I almost forgot to mention that. Oh, very good. That's right. Uh, so, so you reached out and then it turns out uh, that you have a possible <laughs> connection to the Roswell UFO crash. Tell me about your your late uncle Charles Fargus or Forgus Jr. Rather, Charles Forgus Jr. Yes, well, uh, it was interesting. I received a call late one night in 2017, uh, and the gentleman on the phone, his first words were, "Please don't hang up on me. I would like to dis- <laughs> okay. Uh, I would like to discuss your uncle's." UFO encounter. And I said, well, I certainly won't hang up because I would love to discuss that too, because I have never heard of this. And it turns out he was an investigator from MUFON in New Jersey. And he related the story of uh, my uncle CH's encounter with a a UFO recovery. And your uncle was at that, he was a sheriff or a deputy sheriff, I think, in, was it Spring, Texas? In Big Spring, yes. He was Big a Springs. deputy sheriff. Right, right. My hometown, Big Spring. And so as uh, as I'm reading the description, the sort of the transcript uh, mm-hmm. from this MUFON investigator, right. he um, he believes, or, or at least your uncle related to him, and your, your uncle passed away in 2001, right. that, that he and he was the deputy sheriff and the sheriff, mm-hmm. another yes. gentleman, Yes, were on their way from Big Spring, Texas, to uh-huh. to Roswell to pick up a prisoner. Is that right? right? That is right. And it was actually in 1953, so it wasn't even the original Roswell crash from 47. Uh-huh. It was a, a completely separate incident. It wasn't Roswell. Okay, so exactly. they're driving along the highway to pick up a prisoner right. in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. And what did they see? What did your uncle see? Well, he mentioned that as they were driving along the highway, they were above a dry creek bed. And as they looked down, they saw a cylindrical object about 100 feet across, surrounded by military personnel. So they stopped and got out to look. And as they watched, they saw them loading what they thought at the time was bodies onto a truck. And then as a gust of wind is wont to come up in West Texas or New Mexico, he could see the bodies. Uh, he said they were about five feet tall. They were dark brown, large head, uh, overly large eyes, and human-looking feet. And how many did he see? How many bodies? I believe he saw three. Three, three. being loaded onto a truck. By, yes. And and how many military personnel were, were on the scene? Uh, he said there were quite a few, and to the extent that um, from one recollection I'd read that they were actually told to move along. Um, and not repeat anything that they had seen. 
And so, and you had never even heard about this from your <laughs> uncle. Did you know well, your uncle? Yes, we, I knew him well. Um, I mean, we weren't a real close family, but um, if you knew my uncle and the and uh, Sheriff Slaughter, they were uh, they were serious people. This is not something they could even make up in their wildest imagination. That's that's why I believe it so wholeheartedly. But did he ever mention it to you in all the years you knew him? Never. I he never mentioned it, and I can only think that he wouldn't have because. I, I think he would have just been ridiculed by all all his family. They would we just wouldn't have believed it at that time. I wouldn't have believed it, perhaps, but I was very small then. But yeah, so nineteen fifty three. So right. that that I mentioned Roswell. It definitely was not Roswell, which happened in forty seven. Right. So I mean, it was it was on the road to Roswell because that's where they were going to pick up the prisoners. So it was it was a a completely separate incident, but in the same area. This happened would have been um, east of Roswell. So. Yes, in 1953. Fascinating. Right. right. Do you ever think about getting maybe doing some more research and trying to get to the bottom of that? You know, I've done some Google searches, but I I just haven't found very much about it. And um, I haven't been able to locate or talk to his children. I don't know if they even would talk about it. It seems the MUFON um, investigator had tried and contact him, but they refused to speak about it as well. Oh, these are your cousins. Yes, my cousins. Yeah, exactly. Okay. okay. Well, next family reunion, you <laughs> must bring that up. Uh, Rick, the fascinating story. We'll delve into it another time when we have more time. But uh, again, thanks for the great job at on strangeplanet.ca. We're doing the official unveil right now, strangeplanet.ca. And uh, I hope people like it, and uh, I look forward to their feedback. Thank great. you, my friend. Be well. Thank you, Richard. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Rick Forgus, Atomic Werewolf Studios. When we come back, more open lines right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Shaking the world and seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Coming up in the second hour, Chris Burris and Patty Greer will be here with an update on... The miracle molecule, carbon-60, or the consumable form, called ESS-60, and uh, it is a mega-oxidant said to be 172 times more potent than vitamin C. And again, in the uh, now-famous 2012 Paris study, it extended the life of rats, the test rats. Uh, Well, they lived twice as long which is uh, quite remarkable. So we'll get an update from Chris Burris and Patty Greer uh, just after the top of the hour coming up here right now. Open lines until the top of the hour. And the number is to call again, 416-360-0740. 416-360-0740. Toll free from out of town, 1-866-740-4740. one Seven forty. Let's go to uh, Michael in Long Island this evening. Michael, welcome to the Conspiracy Show. How are you? I'm from Newmarket. Oh, it says here Long Island. <laughs> All right. Oh, this. Yes, I recognize you, Michael. Of course. How are you? Oh well, I guess not too bad. Uh, before I talk about what I want to talk about, uh, what is there a Toronto station that coast to coast is on anymore? Uh, it's been temporarily suspended, as far as I know, because of uh, local coverage of uh, the pandemic. Oh, I see. So, 
have to look for is probably CKTB or WBEN in Buffalo or something like that. Well, you might have to go, yeah, you might have to go to the U.S. because I believe all of those stations in Ontario that were carrying it have temporarily suspended it. I'm doing the show from home, actually. I'm connecting uh, directly so with the LA, don't have, LA studio. You know, Robert Turner helping you out or something? <laughs> no, no. Okay. Um, the topic uh, tonight is... I just heard recently on Coast to Coast, maybe like two months ago, I don't even remember, uh, the lady's name is Yvonne Casa or Kesa, and she's the one that wrote the, a book called Touched by the Light. The impression I got of that book listening to Coast to Coast was that they were all about near-death experiences. But the next day, we looked into that book, First of all, I got it from the CNIB. It's read by a, a, a talker, a synthesized talker. It's more than just near-death experiences, you know, about visions and mystical experiences and meditation and uh, a lot of stories from her patient. So what do you say about that, or have you heard that interview? I have not. Um, I'm not sure who interviewed her, but, um, you know, I've done countless shows on not countless but so i'm um, so many i've lost count uh on on ndes as we call them near-death experiences both on this show i've done some on a uh, coast to coast uh i've done uh, many many shows on on past lives uh, although i think i've made it abundantly clear over the years i i do not subscribe to reincarnation it's simply not part of my i have uh, my, my belief system discussed yet in this book and i don't necessarily agree with everything of this book but uh i i found that uh, the book so far is about a lot more than just ndes or uh, that she had three near-death experiences in her life mm. was there anything in that book that resonated with you personally michael well i wish it's uh <clears throat> i i was uh amazed at how well uh, I guess written that book is that she's into everything from Clara Bowens to the one story that struck me was uh, um, this girl was uh, at a graduation, uh, but after that she had a traumatic experience uh, where a fellow was driving her home and she got raped and. As a result, she was trying to run away from him, but the Virgin Mary, after pleading with her, you know, came to her and took her by the hand and led her out of the woods. But there are other stories, too, about uh, uh, one other lady meeting some, uh, she's Roman Catholic, and she meets some, well, Oriental saint-like creature or something like that, I forgot her name. She's supposed to be the goddess of compassion, according to tradition. Ah, okay. All right. And uh, how about for you personally, Michael? Anything uh, anything like that ever happened to you in your death experience, uh, a vision of some sort? Well, her first near-death experience was up in um, was it the Arctic Circle. I don't know if it was a near-death experience because the plane crashed back in 79 and uh, she 
was uh, almost frozen to death, frostbitten. No, no, no. About about you, you personally, I, I asked. Uh, got closer to death. She felt peace and uh, uh, be still and know that I am God and all that sort of stuff. She had a pretty boring church background and all that. Okay, but how about for you personally, Michael? Have you had I've, one? No, I've never no. had a uh, near-death experience to... Uh, I, I'm still too skeptical of that. All right. Well, thank you, Michael. Great to hear from you again. Stay well, my friend. 416-360-0740, We'll head into a break and take some more of your calls, questions, and comments here on The Conspiracy Show before the top of the hour. And then on to the miracle uh, molecule Carbon 60 in the second hour with Chris Burris and filmmaker Patty Greer. More to come right here on The Conspiracy Show. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.